Good morning, again. Excellent. Uh, we're continuing a series called The Jesus Lifestyle. We, we could actually call this series The Kingdom Lifestyle, the lifestyle in the kingdom of God. And uh, just to tie that in with the testimonies, you know, what this is about living the kingdom lifestyle is actually living from another world, from another perspective, from heaven. Do you know, a misconception of many Christians is that we're all going to heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. Heaven started coming to earth about 2,000 years ago in the life and ministry of Jesus. And what we see ultimately when Jesus returns in scripture, we see the new Jerusalem and the new heaven coming out of the sky. And in this world, our broken, and our broken nature, our sinfulness gets healed. Ultimately, when Jesus is here, here in full, There'll be no more suffering in our world. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more atrocities like we've seen in Aurora. There'll be no more pain, no more tears. Because God would be here. He would have dealt with the root cause of all the wrong and the suffering in our world. He would have put it right. And the kingdom of God is about bringing that world in in part. So for example, part of that is God deals with our interior. He heals us in the inside. We start living from a kind of heavenly perspective. We know the love, the reality of God, the healing of God. And that's why we're looking at this series. How do we live in the kingdom? How do we live as Jesus taught us to live? Because the kingdom is a superior quality of life. Part of that as well is that we see signs of that future reality. We see healing. That's what it's about. Those healings point towards, actually, when God fully comes back, there will be no sickness at all because in his kingdom there is no sickness. And that's why we see signs of that now. We don't see the fullness of the kingdom now. We see it in bits. And as Christians, we need to live it. We need to live the Jesus lifestyle so that we can bring about change and transformation on the earth. We'll have ups and downs with it, but ultimately Jesus will come back and he will, he will fully bring about the kingdom and deal with the evil that is in the world. Amen? Amen. So today we're looking at how do we handle anger. And this, I think this is an important part actually of living the Jesus lifestyle, of living in the kingdom. Now, just a quick question. How are we doing with murder, the sixth commandment, generally? Is that a nervous laugh I detect? (laughs) Do you want to confess something, Andy? Excellent. Do you know, the words of Jesus are challenging, aren't they? Sometimes I think we as Christians, much like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, the religious people, can fall into the trap of thinking, if we get the external right, we're all right. It doesn't matter about the inside. So in other words, the sixth commandment, for example, if we don't physically kill anyone, we're all right. We've not broken that. We've not sinned. Whereas Jesus' words go to the heart of the matter. And he says... You know, even if we, if we are angry with someone in our hearts, or we insult them, as it says there, you know, if it says here, doesn't it, in the, in the word. Um, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, meaning kind of empty head, airhead, that kind of thing, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, is in danger of the fires of hell. Challenging stuff. Angry thoughts and insulting words may never lead to the ultimate act of murder. 
I'm sure we've all been angry, haven't we? But we haven't actually... Over, well, there's forgiveness if you have acted on it. And, you know, Moses was a murderer, so you'd be all right um, if you repent. But they don't always lead. Now, now the, the intent or the anger in the heart, the insults, don't always lead to that. But actually, in God's sight, it's tantamount to murder. Why is that? Because angry insults... Anger and insults are an ugly symptom of a desire to get rid of someone who stands in our way. Believe it or not. Our thoughts, our words, the way we look at people indicate that inwardly we are saying in some way, I wish you were dead or I wish you were not around. The Apostle John later went on to write, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Ow. I'm sure we can all think of examples where Actually, we've gotten angry with our Christian brothers and sisters. Actually, sometimes, in reality, we struggle more with each other than we do with non-believers, in a way. And I think when we read that, we realize, actually, in some way, we're all guilty of breaking the sixth commandment, do not murder. Let's look at anger a bit more closely and kind of just try and unpick what Jesus was, was drawing out. Now, it would be wrong to say that all anger is sinful. God himself... Remember that God is, is morally pure, without sin. He is light. Yeah. He is said to be angry. And uh, his anger is a righteous anger. And what God is angry with, he's not necessarily angry with people. He's angry with sin. Now, you may have heard the expression, God loves the sin. God, yep, thank you, Karen. That could have went drastically wrong. <laughs> God loves the sinner, I was just keeping you on your toes, but hates the sin. I'm with you, thank you. Okay, Karen's on heresy watch. Um, And, uh, you know, I I believe God hates hates the atrocities, the injustice we see in this world. God hates, hates it when people live for themselves. He doesn't hate those people, but he hates those actions. He hates those intentions. Because they hurt other people. He is a God of love. And it hurts him and it angers him when people are hurt by them. But yet he continues to love the person. Does that make sense? Excellent. And similarly, as humans, we ourselves may feel a righteous anger. Do you know, I wonder how many of of us are angry about the events of the last 24 hours in the United States in Aurora. Just thinking about what happened there as families went to watch a film. Someone goes in and opens up fire. Now, anger is, is, is a normal reaction, and uh, that is a kind of righteous anger that is brought about. So not all anger is necessarily sinful or evil in of itself. However, as Christians, we need to ensure that our anger is slow to rise and quick to die down, that we're not flying off the handle at things, because that's indicative of something else. Martin Luther, from the Reformation... He said this, uh, he described uh, righteous anger like this, an anger of love, one that wishes no one any evil, one that is friendly to the person but hostile to sin. If we're to be angry about anything, that's what our anger should look like. It should not result in the hating of someone, the wishing they were out of the picture. Actually, it needs to be friendly to the individual, but it needs to hate what's doing damage to them, and to those around them. 
And this is the type of anger that Jesus draws, is talking about. It's an anger that springs from pride, from vanity, from hatred, malice, and revenge. There can be many causes of anger in our lives. Let's just look at a few of them. Suffering injustice, massive cause, I think. When we feel like we've been unfairly mistreated and there's nothing we can do about it, our reaction is to feel, is to feel angry, that anger will rise up. But actually, as Christians, we're called to a higher lifestyle, and we need to recognize that though we ourselves are powerless to change people, or may even feel powerless to change situation, our God is a God who changes people's hearts. And our response is to pray. That's why Jesus says to pray for those who persecute you, who insult you. You know, God is someone who can change the heart of people. Often we can dis- um, disguise our anger in strife when we bicker with people, when we row with, you know, when we're contentious, picking up issues. Often that's indicative that underneath there can be a lot of anger. Another common cause of uh, anger, particularly in our Western world and culture, where everything is, is fast-paced and we want stuff when we want it, how we want it, is impatience. How many of us get angry when we wait at a restaurant when uh, we're not being served? Guilty of it, guys. And we, I think we all are. And there's so much to be said for being patient, is there, isn't there? And living counterculturally and learning to trust God. A real cause of anger, and this, I think, some of the most angry people you see, it's quite often that this is the cause, abuse of some kind, whether that's physical, emotional, sexual. You know, abuse, particularly early on in life, can produce devastating anger in people's lives. And it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, as people, we try and suppress our pain. We all get hurt in some way, and particularly when there's abuse, we try and suppress that. But ultimately, that will come out in some way. And generally, that tends to come out in anger. And the thing with dealing with abuse is, we can't push it to a side. We can't push it down. Actually, we need to face it. And we need to work through it. You know, God is a healer. And, we, and he works with us in, 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 in bringing healing to deep-rooted anger. That's been my experience in my life that God has brought healing to deep-rooted pain. And there is hope for people. But often our response can be to push that down, but it results in outbursts of anger. You know, unmet needs. Sometimes when our partners uh, or those close to us, uh, they don't necessarily uh, meet our expectations of what we have for them. Sometimes it's because we don't always articulate well what we expect of other people, and we wonder why. You know, our needs aren't being met by those close to us or our expectations aren't being met. But also as Christians, we need to remember that actually we have a God who meets unmet needs, particularly for intimacy and loneliness. Actually, our God can be close to us when we're brokenhearted, when we need him. And as Christians, we need to cultivate a relationship with him where we walk closely, where we know his voice, we know his affirmation, we know his Holy Spirit, his love in our lives. I'm not preaching anything that I believe is not a reality. You know, I really believe that as we draw near to God, actually we'll find his grace is sufficient. It doesn't mean that, you know, our needs disappear in and of themselves, but God is able to meet our needs in ways that we'll be surprised by, even if those are emotional needs. Amen? Amen. Brilliant. Jealousy as well. That's a big thing. Do you know, in our culture... We are so hung up on status, aren't we? 
you know, what, what we do for a living, uh, are we high-flying in our jobs? We love to be perceived, to be successful. And that can translate even into the church as well, wanting to be in positions of leadership and power and things, as much as it happens out there in the secular world. And when we perceive that people are overtaking us or given opportunities that we're not, actually we can become jealous and that can lead to anger in itself. And that's something we need to to guard against. And we need to be aware that actually it is God who exhorts us ultimately. Yes, people can hold us back. Yes, people can, you know, get a head start. But ultimately, actually, it is God who exalts us as people. It is God who opens doors and it's God who's closing doors. And so actually sometimes we may not actually move on in life until we actually acknowledge what God is wanting to teach us in the moment. You know, God sometimes is more concerned with our hearts than he is getting us into some kind of position of power or authority. So try and see that from a heavenly perspective. Anger, we've looked at causes. When it is unchecked, it can get out of control. And the the effects on relationships um, and to ourselves as well are detrimental. You know, they can really cause problems at work, in church, in our marriages, you know, there's nothing worse than living in fear of an angry person, is there? Tiptoeing around them, always worried about what you're going to say, are they going to fly off the handle? And I think we can all think of examples like that. Or we even may recognize that actually we have tendencies to be like that. We have tendencies to fly off. And remember, suppressed anger, it will come out in some way, in some explosive way. It will come out verbally, physically. Do you know, I've known people in Christian ministry who, who kick the cupboard doors off or things like that. Just, you know, lose it. Because there's suppressed anger there. There's deep down anger. No one is immune to it. And actually, we may realize that we may have a bigger issue than we thought sometimes. Let's just look again at the words of Jesus in verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now we all struggle with, with anger because we live in a broken world with broken people. And you know, times there's good reasons for getting angry in a hot climate, you know, you get more irritable, don't you? Or if you're tired, if you're busy, you're prone to it, and that's natural. But we, like I say, we need to make sure that any outbursts are occasional. And we need to be aware of any symptoms. If that's a frequent thing, we need to pay attention to that. And I think from the words of Jesus, actually, we need to be really on guard in our own lives that we are not be allowing ourselves to be taken over by anger at time. Do you know, it really scares me, this, this verse, because it actually really challenges a lot of our theology. Is it possible that we can allow ourselves as Christians to be so consumed by anger, so consumed by rage, that we allow ourselves to be taken away from the grace of God, that we actually push it away? We, we reject God's work in his life, in our lives. We reject the work of his spirit, and we lose that connectivity with God and are, as Jesus says, in danger of the fire of hell. Now that's really challenging to our theology of once saved, always saved. I'm not saying that's the case, and I'm not saying if we struggle with anger 
that we should question our salvation. Absolutely not. We can be confident that we are saved as broken and sinful people. However, to what extent will we allow anger to overtake us and to push us away from the love and the grace of God? That should scare us. That's a tension, I think, that should scare us. Not that should take away our confidence in God and in our salvation, but should keep us from allowing ourselves to be overruled by anger. Let's just look at a bit, finish off by just looking at a bit from Ephesians as well on anger. There's a verse that says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. As I say, anger can sometimes be justified, often it can be sinful as well, um, as it comes from our own sinful intentions and desires. But we need to make sure when we are angry that that doesn't lead us into, into sin or into more sin as well. In your anger, do not sin. We need to exercise as Christians self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. As much as we can, you know, we need to participate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to give our anger to God. Actually, we need to do work with God if we sense that we're angry with someone. You know, we can act out in our anger on vengeance. There's a verse that says in the Bible, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And I believe what it means by that is actually... If you are angry at someone, if you've been unjustly treated, if you've been hurt or abused in some way, by not acting out on it, by not taking revenge, you're not letting the person off the hook. You're actually handing it over to God, who is judge, and you're trusting God to bring about justice in that. You're trusting him to do that. You know, it's not for us, I believe, as Christians, to take the law into our own hands It's not for us to act out on our anger and frustrations towards people. We need to leave room for the wrath of God. You know, God is ultimately judge, and he will deal with that, and he will deal with that fairly and lovingly, according to that. And we can trust in him, and that's a sign of our trust in him. You know, it also goes, it says there, doesn't it, in in Ephesians, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. You know, God doesn't want us to remain in an angry state. God doesn't want us to get screwed up in our own bitterness and anger. And if anything, as it it was saying, actually, we need to be reconciled. Do, you know, do not let the sun go down whilst you're still angry. In your marriages, how often do you go to bed having a conflict and not resolving it? You know, how often do you leave things with a family member or a friend unresolved? Don't let the sun go down. Be quick at reconciling your relationships. Be quick at apologizing for your own anger. Be quick at forgiving people. Keep short accounts with God. In other words, say sorry to God soon. Keep short accounts with each other as well. Don't let anger or bitterness fester in your own lives. Also says as well, doesn't it? Don't give the devil a foothold. Do you know, if we are unguarded with our anger, we can give room to the enemy. I genuinely believe that. That's been my experience. You know, there are good causes for anger, aren't there? You know, there are normal natural causes. I lived in Brazil for um, a couple of years, and I just remember I got increasingly angry and maybe there are reasons to do that the, the English school I had to muck me about a bit at times um, it was hot, always sweating trying to get around this city and uh, I just noticed myself actually getting increasingly angry 
and short. Now, I didn't act out on it. I didn't beat anyone up or, or do anything like that or verbally abuse anyone. But just generally, I was angry. And I just got to the point where I'm thinking, where is this coming from? Is this me? And I remember just getting back to my living room one day and just started to worship the Lord and pray to the Lord. And uh, I just prayed the simple prayer, God, if there is any darkness in me, would you rid me of that? And immediately this kind of spirit manifested. My hands clawed, gripped the carpet, and I just said something out like, uh, it, it, it wasn't me, it was just from my vocal cords. Something just kind of said something out in a language I didn't know. It wasn't like speaking in tongues because actually we control that and that's subject, that subject to us. And it just kind of screamed and left and I just felt a lot lighter. And I realized actually what I did was through my own anger and keeping that unchecked that I actually gave the devil a foothold. Now persistent sin is a way in for the demonic. And I allowed myself to be, as a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, I allowed myself to be unguarded and gave the enemy a foothold. I allowed myself to fester on anger. And in a way, guys, we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be angry to that point because it's not good for us and we can give ourselves, we can give the enemy an opening. Now, like, I'm aware that many of us here will probably struggle with anger and say, Jim, what you're saying is all all well and good, but it just doesn't move, it just doesn't shift. And sometimes anger can be indicative of a deeper cause, of a root, and that root is often pain in our own lives, whether that's pain from abuse or something else. And the problem is with with something, if you don't cut the root off, it will grow back, won't it? And sometimes we just treat the symptoms, which is anger. You know, there is anger management. Anger, will give you, anger management will give you good techniques to manage your anger. But actually, we need to get the root of our anger. If it is a real issue, if we do realize that actually we probably fly off the handle a bit too much. Now, we all do it from time to time, but if, we, if that's a constant thing and we're constantly struggling to forgive others and wrestling with that, actually that's indicative of a deeper pain which we need the Lord to come into our lives and heal, heal that. Now, part of that might be talking to a Christian who you know and respect, getting them to pray with you, confess that to you, praying for God to heal that pain. We also, as a church, have a ministry called Prayer Surgery as well, where deep pain, it's a place where you can go and receive prayer for deep pain. But know that that, that state isn't the end. That's not what God intends for us. And I believe as Christians, we don't have to live like that. That actually God is a healer. He is someone who can set us free. Amen? Why don't we stand up?